1: Life's busy. Take this deck. There's heaps to do on it. Like, um, polishing off this wine. That's tough. Life's pretty good with a Trex deck. Composite decking with no hard maintenance. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.
2: First serve tennis sunscreen. A quality Australian-made sunscreen to protect those that love their tennis. At sunblesssunscreens.com.au and GLG Greenlife Group, your open space specialists at glgcorp.com. The First Serve, your home of tennis.
1: Good evening, everybody. Welcome along to another big uh, Monday night edition of The First Serve. Always great to be here in our Melbourne studios. Uh, Brett Phillips with you. We race through another week in the world of tennis. So we'd love you to give us a call tonight. one 736 736 And, uh, Vanessa, i tell you what, we've got plenty in the prize cabinet tonight. <laughs>
3: Thank you, BP. Tennis fans, you can be in the running for a $150 voucher from Tennis Direct for our best caller for May. TennisDirect.com.au, Australia's favourite online tennis store where you can shop to your heart's content. Use the discount code FIRSTSERV10. Thanks to Sunbless Sunscreens and their first-served tennis sunscreen designed specifically for tennis. We have a sunscreen cap and drink bottle to give away to everyone that calls in. You can order yours at sunblesssunscreens.com.au using the discount code SEN. And thanks to Australia's hype sneaker label, Athletican, available exclusively online at athletican.com. Use the discount code FIRSTSERV15 for 15% off your choice of a pair of sneakers to the value of $129. How about that?
1: Oh, yes, how about that indeed, Vanessa? Thank you, our very own Delvin Delaney. Uh, we've got plenty of prizes to give away. 1-300-736-736. Whatever you want to put on... The Tennis Agenda. You have an hour every week on commercial radio right around Australia. Great to have you with us in Sydney on 1170 on 1629 over in Adelaide. If you're listening on the app tonight, or on SEN.com.au. It's great to have you with us here on The First Serve. We're going to talk to Paul vasalo very soon. He is the Director of Talent at Tennis Australia. And also tonight, Jacqueline Peroni. She is the President of... Of Tennis Victoria. She will be a special guest. But before we do all that and take your calls, let's unveil the honor roll for this week.
2: I've paid my dues. Time after time. I've done my sentence. It's sweet revenge for Sabalenka. You can understand the dance. She's dominated in Madrid. And she avenges the loss from Stuttgart a couple of weeks ago, as ever. Just wonderful sportsmanship from Ash Party, the world number one, who is finally downed in a final, and it took a special performance. It's title number two in Madrid for Alexander Zverev. The German claims a fourth Masters 1000 title of his career. Come from behind victory against an inspired Italian. Zverev records his third top ten win in a row this week. Simply outstanding.
1: We are the, of the, world. Uh, the magnificent voice of Nick Lester at the end. He'll be with us uh, next uh, Monday on the program. Of course, doing a beautiful job. Uh, with the commentary in Madrid, he's in Rome uh, along with all the best players uh, this week. Uh, we start by taking a look back at Arena Sabalenka, and I've been bullish about Arena for a little while. I don't want to uh, say "told you so." I'm not into that sort of stuff, but you know, she's a star. This girl, I think she'll she'll win a Grand Slam. There's no doubt about it. She's world number four now. Uh, she's got some charisma too. We love a we love a sports person that gives her absolute all on court, and she's got some personality to go with it. Uh, it's a great mix. And, and there's something about the Belarusians. If we go all the way back to Victoria Azarenka, who got to world number one, won two Australian Opens, one of the most feistiest competitors you have ever seen. She's still got it, even though, you know, she's in a different phase of her career and not the player she was. And the level of competition has certainly gone up and she's a mum and there's a different perspective. But she's still inside the tram lines, one of the best competitors. Well, she's handed over that to uh, Sabalenka, the younger version, who has added to her blunt power some nice precision, very good return games, great serve, and she was due, wasn't she? Third time she'd met Ash Barty this year. You can't win every week on the tour. Ash Barty makes another final. That's why she's the most consistent. That's why she is the best and world number one. It doesn't mean, though, she's going to win every single week. It was a surprise, though, that uh, there was a bagel in the opening set. It can happen. As we know, and anyone out there just playing uh, midweek or uh, Saturday Division 1 or whatever, you, you know a set can get away from you pretty quickly. It's how you regroup is the main thing. But, yeah, 6-love, a three six six four tenth 10th career title for Irina Sabalenka, uh, stopping uh, Ashbardi's 16-match winning streak on the clay. Uh, the first uh, non-hardcourt title that she's won. So she's won on some fast, hardcourt Sabalenka, wins on the clay, and she's pretty confident that she can conquer uh, all the surfaces, lost just 18 games heading into the final. Unbelievable performance. Uh, first three-set win over a top-ten opponent uh, since 2018. Of course, injured her leg in that Stuttgart final. There was some talk uh, Sabalenka wasn't even going to play in Madrid, but she dug in that six-love first set. She had 11 winners and just one unforced error. And that's a big key to Sabalenka because we know the unforced errors can rack up when you're playing such an offensive brand of tennis. And she managed to keep that under control, peeled off the winners. Then we're going to be coming back. She hits with unbelievable power and she's a rising star of the game. So right now she is the player that, along with Ash Barty, is uh, certainly running hot arena Sabalenka. And credit, as you heard in the commentary there, credit to Ash Barty. Whose sportsmanship is outstanding? Because let's face it, we could put together a YouTube compilation of uh, a good ten minutes of the ordinary handshakes in tennis over the years, and I've got to say it's probably been more prevalent on the women's side. Some real dead fish, lousy handshakes. The look away handshake. Ash Barty, she looks you in the eye. She says, "Too good, well played." I'll catch you next time because that rivalry is going to continue. Well done, Ash Barty. She's a star. Just a couple of other talking points from Madrid on the women's side. Paula Bardosa had all the trouble with quarantine here and her you know, season took a while to get going. She beat, of course, party in Charleston earlier this year. Couldn't beat her this time around, but a great performance as the wild card on home soil to make it to um, the uh, the semifinals. And up 20 spots to 42. Anastasia Pavlichenka, I want to give her a mention. She was a world junior number one. Has never been able to reach the absolute top heights, but she's been a model of consistency, her inside the top 50 for as long as I can remember. And it's been as high as uh, 13 in the world. She's up 11 spots to 30, made that uh, semifinal. Naomi Osaka. Well, I'll tell you what I've seen. Naomi everywhere except on the tennis court. She was at the lauriers uh, last week, a Sportswoman of the Year. If you go on her social media, there's all sorts of new endorsement deals are going on uh, with Naomi Osaka. So she's not short of a dollar. The endorsements are coming in thick and fast off the court. But she's somehow got to work out, how do I conquer the clay? Am I going to be any sort of threat at the French Open? She gets another opportunity in Rome this week. Lost to Mukova in the second round. who made the semis of the Australian Open. So there's certainly some work to do for uh, Naomi Osaka. But well done to Arena Sabalenka. Uh, got the chocolates over Ash Barty and uh, they'll both be off to Rome along with uh, everyone on the men's and the women's side for one of the, the great tournaments um, at a venue that everyone has said to me, Brett, you've got to get to at some stage and actually uh, see it live. Uh, we heard the commentary there from Nick Lester on Sasha Zverev, uh, second Madrid title, fourth Masters 1000, uh, third uh, top 10 uh, win of the week. He beat Nadal, he beat team on the way, 15-2 and two his record in Madrid. So he's uh, he's loved the high high altitude of Madrid as uh, Alexander Zverev. Um, it's his best winning percentage of all the nine Masters uh, one thousand tournaments. That's where he's had the most success. And well, he'd lost. He's uh, passed. Uh, he's passed three finals uh, at, at Masters one thousand level. So uh, well done to Sasha. Uh, of course, um, beating Berrettini. Had to deal with a bit too. I mean, Berrettini is throwing him. Uh, serves around you know, 230 clicks, those kick serves at 235. So Zverev had to work pretty hard just to get balls back into play and get engaged in the rally. And Berrettini's had a good little period, winning in Serbia, uh, making the final here. He's up to nine in the world and he's uh, had a tough start to the year but getting into a nice groove. Special shout-out to Kaspar Roode as well. He is, He's a good player, this guy from uh, from Norway, up to 16 in the world. Uh, son of Christian, of course, Father, son. And uh, he's just building nicely and becoming a real clay court sort of specialist. Dominic team back this week. It was good to see him back. He's had a a tough year uh, team. Uh, Went down to Zverev in the semis, but a really good run. Zverev knocks out in the Dahl. So some work to do for Rafa coming into Rome uh, this week. But really, the story's going to be, can anyone still knock him off at Roland Garros? That's still the question that has to be answered. And a very big shout out. And we did it on our socials through the week for Alexei Poprin. Alexi qualifies, he wins his uh, first round match, that was against Struff, he then takes on Yannick Sinner, now this game was about 2.30 in the morning, and I said to myself, I've got to stay up and watch this live, and it was a challenge, the matchstick eyes were taking an absolute belting, and I thought, I've got to see this live, everyone keeps talking about Yannick Sinner, and for very good reason, this guy's a star, he's inside the top 20 at 19, Alexi's two years older. And Alexei Popram played a magnificent match. He went toe-to-toe with Sinner. And the great part about Popran, he's got a few strings to his bow. He's got the power. He's got the serve forehand. He can get forward, though, and volley with conviction. And I thought he was outstanding. And he went to the chair, and you're trying to lip read. You're trying to get a, get a feeling into a player's mindset. And he went to the chair. He sat down... Uh, clenched fist to his box. It was like vindication that, yes, that's where I belong to. I belong up where Sinner is. Now, he's jumped up to 60 in the world. Alexi started the year outside the top 100. So uh, the growth is certainly there. Insane. That's pretty harsh tennis, isn't it? He had such a great week there. <laughs> he has to get to Rome, played some big matches. He got knocked out in qualities over the weekend. But it's a long season. So that ranking, if he keeps having the incremental growth that we uh, we think he should... Uh, should seem inside the top 50, top 40 potentially uh, by uh, year's end. There will be a few little hiccups along the way, but he's uh, uh, going very, very nicely indeed. And uh, Alex Dimonor to push team to 7664. It's always close, isn't it? So we're just waiting for Alex to be able to take that sort of scalp and it's uh, easier said than done, no doubt. So Madrid is done and dusted. A couple of the other highlights uh, from uh, the weekend uh, in terms of uh, the, the Australians. Uh, Mark Polman's uh, back-to-back with Sergei Stokowski, uh, winning the uh, Challenger in Prague. That's great, and uh, it's a nice box to tick, and I did watch that final, but I still want to see Mark step up now on the ATP Tour. And uh, he, uh, he lost, uh, what, second round to Ferreira Silva, who Kyrgios beat first round at Melbourne Arena um, at the Australian Open this year, the lefty from Portugal. He gets another opportunity mark this week, but we want to see him having uh, that single success to get himself close to the uh, top 100. So they are the major results from the last week. In terms of Storm Sanders, we should give her a mention with Katie McNally as a star from the US. They won the doubles in Charleston at the ITF event there. Uh, Olivia Gadecki, we've been singing her praises, but um, yeah, tough loss. Uh, one and one in the quarters in Antalya in Turkey and Alexander Osborn made the quarters both the singles and the doubles in uh, Israel. Our Aussies are absolutely everywhere. 1-300-736-736 if you want to get involved. Hume Tennis and Community Centre is one of Australia's premier tournament and training venues, just 15 minutes from Melbourne Airport, 16 ITF size courts and accommodation available. It is the mini Melbourne park. It's ideal for the travelling coaching group and families. You can check out humetennis.com.au. Coming up next, our special guest, the Director of Talent at Tennis Australia, Paul Vasalo first
2: serve tennis sunscreen a quality australian made sunscreen to protect those that love their tennis at Sunscreens.com.au and glg green life group your open space specialists providing landscape horticultural and environmental services throughout australia at glgcorp.com the first serve your home of tennis
1: Welcome back to The First Serve. Brett Phillips with you on this uh, Monday night. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Happy to take uh, your calls. My right-hand man is here. He looks after the first au during the week. All our socials. Jed Zetzer. There's Aussies always playing Jed. We don't sleep during the week. And Alexander Vukic. We're trying to get him through to the main draw of a challenger this week. Yeah, he's playing in Helbron. And he's taken the first set 6-4 over Quentin Hellas, who we know is a very talented young Frenchman. So... That would be a huge result if he can get the win, Vukic. Okay, so uh, he and I think there's a few others uh, tonight. John Pierce and Michael Venus uh, are playing in Rome uh, first up. Ellen Perez, uh, good performance. Quarters in Madrid last week with uh, Zheng of China. Uh, they're playing first round in Rome. And Alex Demonor a little bit uh, later on tonight. Yep, going to be very interesting. Demonore up against Majer, the Italian wildcard. Who it was a scalp he took in Serbia that was going back. He beat Popran. Yep, yep. In Belgrade a few weeks ago, so we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, Peter's in Sydney. Peter, great to have you part of the first
4: serve. Uh, hi, Brett. How are you? Very good. Can Thank I you? ask a question? I hope it's not going to be a silly question. Um, just t- talking generally, I say players that are say male or female that are ranked say in the say seventies or eighties. Yes. Um, I know in the majors they go qualify straight away, but when they play in tournaments where yeah, they have to qualify, and say for example they win three matches and they do qualify for the main draw, but they lose in the first round. Would they lose their ranking as to think from someone that perhaps ranked about the same but decided to bypass the event?
1: Well, they so if they if they've played the three qualifying matches and they they get out in the first round, obviously they would get uh, some points. Just just clarify, you just lost me a little at the end there.
4: Oh, well, let's say let's say there's a player ranked seventy five and a yes. player ranked seventy four. Okay. Okay, and, and this player ranked 75 decides to play in that tournament and, and qualifies, wins three matches to qualify, but loses in the first round, yep. whereas a player ranked 74 decides to bypass that tournament completely. Like, I mean, would, would that still advantage the player that lost in the first round, or...? Well it depends. You, you can
1: jump in here. No, it'll depend if you're defending points too. It just depends on yeah, how that's many, right. it depends on how many points each player has next to their ranking. I yes. guess if
0: the player ranked seventy five yep. uh gains enough points via qualifying to overtake
1: the player ranked seventy four, then, then they may overtake them, but it all depends on how many uh, ranking points they hold. Yeah, correct. Uh, so, for example, I mean, someone like uh, the, the value of a, a, a 1,000 event last week, right? So Popren, and there's one other that's off the top. Of my head who rose as well, but Popren, you know, picked up 15 spots. So Qualis was huge for a, a Masters 1,000, and what making uh, what a couple of rounds that he did. So that, that's where you can you can get the the real value. Hang on there, Peter, because I tell you what, we're going to get you some uh, sunscreen. Uh, you're in contention for our major prize, uh, which is the $150 voucher from uh, Tennis Direct uh, that is coming your way. A little bit fatigued on a Monday, calling the footy across uh, the weekend. So, uh, mate, uh, you've jumped in beautifully there. It's uh, been almost a year that uh, Paul Vassello was appointed to the role, the newly created role of Director of Talent at Tennis Australia to help build the team to develop not just the next generation of elite players, but also broaden the player development pathway and get more kids actually playing tennis. Now, Paul spent 22 years coaching in the private sector, uh, eight weeks into his role at TA. In July of last year, we uh, touched base with Paul, and 10 months later, we uh, reconnect again. I did catch up with him earlier this afternoon. and We started off chatting about, of course, uh, his comments last year, where he said he was looking forward to building greater relationships with the private coaches across the country
0: been almost a year now in the role and um we we do have we, a whole a whole a whole uh, i guess um mantra from the start was more opportunity for more players and with that obviously we, we hope to have more opportunity for more coaches as well um and so if we look at the uh the national development squads um which was i guess like a revised version of national academy where we're not working with players one-on-one but we are we're working with players in a, in a squad-based program and, and looking after some SNC with all those players um, there's now communication with all the coaches for players who are invited. So prior to anyone being invited to the program, we, we speak with their coach first to check on their private program, what their schedule is, see if there's any gaps and see how we can help facilitate with any of those gaps. It's not a replacement program. Everything we do, uh, we want to be an add-on to a current schedule. Um, so that's been working quite well. There are definitely more numbers in our program across the country. I think in the National talent squads, there's 600 players, plus or minus a few at this stage. Um, that's across all states. Um, and communication with coaches has been good. We're, we're getting out to tournaments more on on the holidays. Obviously, our, our whole team, bar maybe three or four, at, at the uh, Canberra clay courts. Um, and the game has been has been quite good. I guess the step below that now that we're starting to roll out in phase one of this of this school term is the zone squads, where um, again that's that's directly private coaches who are running those programs uh, across the country. Um, it's a TA based squad, but you know both program there, but run by the private coach. Um, with us for us on, on many things, uh, S&C, sports, psych nutrition. So we're just trying to give players at that level down below the NDS opportunities to ex- excel and explore and, and, and work out where they fit and how, how to progress their tennis further.
1: What are your observations uh, that, that is now being sort of rolled out in trying to get that greater collaboration and, and have the private coach there for a longer part of the journey uh, whilst the, the player is still developing and players obviously – in this sport, Paul, as you know, uh, develop at such uh, different stages, uh, males and females uh, of, of a young age. Uh, tell us what you're observing and what you're looking to maybe tinker with and, and just how that, how that is looking aesthetically for you.
0: I used to speak a lot of coaches because I used to do some coach education for Tennis Australia, but now uh, you can't compare the amount of conversations I have these days in this role. Um, It's a real mixed bag. Like the majority, you never get everything right. You never have everybody happy. But I I dare say the most people that I speak to private coach wise are are generally quite happy with what we're going forwards with. Um, It's amazing the amount of people who actually wish we'd do more, just some private businesses are not set up to run 30 hours of squads a week or 10 hours of squads a week, whatever the number, magic number might be that someone feels their player has got to get to. So there's been a bit of a call out for more, not that we're in a position to start running more right now with our team. Um, what would we like to do? We'd, we'd like to again, more of an, an impact with uh, filling some of the gaps with those players are heading towards ITF. I think, you know, the players, once they get ready for the uh, NTA or that level of play up in Brisbane, there's still probably a bit of a gap with um, players who are striving really to be at the point end of the game. Um I'm not so we're not definitely not get back in court and coach players one on one again, but we're just navigating at the moment to see how we can better serve those players. It might be coach education, it might be a bit of time, might be might be more match play opportunities, but we're actually just going through that right now and, and seeing what, the I guess, um, our left turn or our right t- turn might be in the next few months to assist the players and the coaches further.
1: Yeah, one of the things that often I speak to people about, and I talk to many people uh, in tennis, just to feel the temperature and to get a, get an idea of just how everything's developing in this country. And one thing that always comes back to me, Paul, is that we need to have as many playing opportunities as possible, uh, competition opportunities to, to really you know fast-track uh, the talent. Do we have the infrastructure that it can allow for that here, and obviously, you know, so many of our players across the journey have you know gone overseas for stints. There's been obviously the restrictions on on that across the last twelve to eighteen months with uh, with COVID. But th- those you know playing opportunities is that something that you know, can be extended?
0: I think it can be. I, I think I, the first thing I, I think of when we look at someone's schedule these days when we're talking with private coaches is. Um, is about how many how many matches or how many sets you're playing in a week. And again, there's no magic number, and each player is different in their in their development. But yeah. we we part of our program now. We have weekly match play opportunities. I know Sam and Stolly in, in in South Australia. Sam's probably organising uh, 40 matches a week for players in South Australia and NDS program, and, and and Ben in Sydney, and, and Glenn in in um, South Australia. Uh, sorry, in Queensland. There's a lot of match play opportunities there. I think where we go to the more formal ones now. Is for those players that are you know 14, 15 plus that are trying to track towards a, a WTA or, or or ATP tour type schedule is um, in the last twelve months due to COVID is the UTR. So I think there's been benefit in that for some of our young top players to uh, to play at their age group a bit. You know, you're playing ITS and you're playing the best kids around the country or the world up to 18. We've had a lot of players now that are in that age group that have had the opportunity to play against players with WTA and ATP rankings. So to possibly you know get the experience against those players that in the past they just wouldn't have had. Um, so it's now a matter of extending upon that. The UTRs are here for the rest of the year, and beyond that, we see what 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 happens there. But I think in the in the short term, it's actually. It hasn't been good COVID. It hasn't been good for anybody with the playing opportunities to travel overseas to, uh, are at nil, basically on the issue at the uh, the Pro Tour end. But for those young kids coming through that are at that level, I think UTR has definitely been a benefit. And it's a matter of keep on exposing them to, to players that are outside their age group where, where possible, as long as they're not going out there and getting six love, six love, but that's not the opportunity to, to grow somebody. But I think that's where at the moment, um, ITFs, you know, we've got, we've got um, Darwin coming up with the Gold Coast coming up, looking to have a couple more events that we normally wouldn't have later in the year. Um, but that's again, that's ITF conversations and and seeing how we go with government with people being allowed in another the country.
1: Just on the ITF side, I, I asked this question because I don't have the full uh, the full knowledge. We've interviewed a few of the young junior prospects on our show, and I'm extremely keen to see who's coming through. And I was just having a look. We've got 62 junior Aussie boys who have an ITF junior ranking. We've got 66 junior Aussie girls who have an ITF ranking. We've got one of each inside the top 100. And then there's a lot of names there that are on paper for me that I haven't seen play. I'm not sure of their prospects and, and how they're actually tracking. I mean, this this sport, as you're fully aware, and I become more and more aware every day, is, is becoming even more global by the day. Uh, There are countries popping up that have never been on the tennis radar and African tennis is now starting to produce some players. So the competition is really, really tough to make it in this sport. But when we look at all our juniors, the easy thing would be to say, well, the depth's not there, the talent's not there, there's no one coming through, the cupboard looks a a little bit bare. Can you take me inside that a little bit and how a lot of these young names that I'm looking at on paper are, are charting and where they're actually going?
0: yeah i think we, again you're right the more global it becomes then it's actually going to be uh, probably each country is going to be a little bit um a little bit lighter on perhaps in some respect to what they used to be you know, i mean some play, countries used to have 10 kids around that space and now they're at five and so on so that might be a trend that continues um hopefully we can make an impact we haven't been able to obviously due to the fact now we've lost the last you know 18 months without these kids being able to do it but we do have a good crop coming through i think it's uh it's not the be-all and end-all what your UTR rating is, but I think at the moment, if you, if you do, we've got the one boy and one girl inside the top 100. But if you actually look at the UTR rating and have a look at that, and again, that doesn't give you all the answers, but we probably do have half a dozen or so boys and girls that would be top 100 on their UTR rating inside that pack. Um, you've got Ed Winter, who's just outside. Ed obviously won both the uh, both the tournaments at Mornington recently and you've got Cat Allier as well. So... And there's a group of players that sit around them also. you know, uh, if, if you go down a little bit younger, there's a boy named Charlie Camus. Charlie, he won clay courts. You've got Lily Taylor, who won clay courts. So we do have these players who are creeping up. And again, they're having some experience in Australia over the last 10, 12 months with a lot of pro players on hitting court and practice court. They just wouldn't have actually had in the past due to COVID and travel. So we hope that when we get to travel in the next, who knows, it's a crystal ball, isn't it? 12 months, 18 months, that we might actually have a group of players that have had more experiences and, and a little bit more run at it in the past to have a go. Um, but there's, there is a few, as I said, if you look at the ranking right now, yeah, we're disadvantaged due to that we can't travel. But if you look at the UTR, we've probably got more players who are pushing that space than what we actually would show on paper.
1: So now that you've been inside TA and you're in the private sector for uh, for 20-plus years, have you got your – I suppose you I imagine you've got your head around what the internal expectations are and the conversations that go on. Amongst uh, the key people in the performance area of what we should, what, what are the what are we, the KPIs we should be trying to to get to? Can you can you elaborate on that? Uh,
0: look, in regards to to the, when we're tracking towards top hundred and plays on on the tour, I'm not 100 percent across all those with the benchmarks and and what our expectations yet. I'm actually I'm actually a couple of levels mm-hmm. moved below that of, of the NDS and trying to make sure that we get players who are NTA ready and so on. Um, but look, it's, it's a good team. You look across the country, there's a lot of experience. It's just, they've brought a lot of good people together and that's what part of my role is with my, my team. You know, Simon, Ray and Victoria got Sandon in, in South Australia without rattling off every state of who we got. It's actually just trying to harness them to work with the private coach to get some results. So our, our role, we see it, is, is to uh, help the private coach produce through their private program and assistance with us to then get them to a level where they can be ITF top 100, top 150 and pushing for selection towards Grand Slam juniors and so on. And then, um, and then off off to uh, to NTA if that's where someone chooses to go, and then college or beyond. So, I'm getting, I am getting it's every day is a learning experience. You learn something new at a big organisation like Tennis Australia, and, and I'm, I am. I'm not one hundred percent one hundred percent cross though. What Brent and Chris, what their KPIs are, what we're trying to push through for them, though.
1: Yeah, we're certainly going to try and make a, a bit of a trip as the first serve up to the NTA in the next uh, yeah couple of months, and, and have a look at the setup up there in, in Brisbane. So just back to the zone squads and uh, the, the national development squads, and you know the pathways below that. So just the, paint the picture for us for the remainder of 2021, and, and how that looks in terms of a, a calendar, and and then how you then identify what the actual criteria for identifying the ones that uh, have got a fair bit of talent to go to that next level how will that process sort of work
0: yeah I think our program Brett is is kind of three-tiered we start off at Super 10s then after Super 10s there's the zone squads and then NDS for players are slightly above that so bringing that together to provide opportunities and match play and so on. We just get to have our team out around tournaments more often now. Um, we obviously had clay courts just on there's national teams event in the, on the Gold Coast in July, all going well. There'll be the grass courts in um, in Perth in September and and it'd be nice to have a showdown for the first time in two years in December. So I guess with our program, we, we are all tracking towards those national events um, and continually Looking at those players, working those players, and and, and parents as well with the coaches, and, and just trying to get to a point where we get the good kids together enough, we can actually start to benchmark them properly and see really who who you know who is who in the zoo, exactly where they're at. Um, again, UTR isn't everything, but we do use that as a. Um, Entry point into our programs as one of the, as one of the markers. Again, we just believe if we're going going out there and doing more of a job with the entire market rather than you know running the sessions ourselves and providing value where we can. Hopefully, they have to play as it comes into our program is greater and not just someone coming into our program as, as an 11-year-old who has a, a 4.0 UTR and there's three of those players. We want we want seven or eight of those players in each state. I think if we can get more of a base, then we should have more filtering through to the top end and, and giving, having opportunity to, to do what they want to do with their tennis.
1: You can put the best infrastructure, the best coaches, uh, the best strength and conditioning, nutrition programs, Everything else that goes into trying to develop an athlete and and some players might just not be uh, good enough to cut it. That's across all uh, different sports. But, I mean, your focus is to make sure that you try and get everything right internally to provide the best environment that these kids can can flourish. I mean, what are the boxes that you think we are ticking pretty well? And and the ones that yeah, we've got to we've got to go to the next level on.
0: Yeah, I think oh, look, I know back when I in the private market when I have kids going on overseas tours, I was told often that our kids look great technically, you know, technically they're this, they're that. So I think we're just keeping trying to get to a position where we have kids competing more. As I mentioned a few times about getting to the national events, I think we need to have a few more national camps too to bring these best kids together to compete against each other more. I think you get the best of the best together, and they're going to grow. Uh, you know, it lets them see who else is out there too. You know, it's—I won't say it's easy, but to be the best player in your state is one thing. To be the next, the best player in your country is another. But then to understand what else is out there worldwide—that's the next one altogether. So, for us, we just want the kids to compete more. We're trying to create opportunities where we get them, the best kids together more, and then and then see how we go from there. Which is part again—we're not here to talk about the NTA, but that's what that was a part of that about: get the best kids together all the time and, and then see if you can work from that to, to get you know, more out the other end. So that's what we're trying to do in our program there, Brett. said, it's a, we, we base it around the national development squads um, but then as many opportunities as we can with kids going to nationals and, and some national camps and we hope that through that depth and that volume, we might get a few more to the other side
1: we're pretty blessed to have a, a world number one we you know we, we shouldn't take it for granted and she's been in that position ash party for a good two years now and she might stay there for a third year uh the way she's tracking have you seen any sort of filtered down effect of that particularly on the young female side that of maybe attracting more girls to the sport that gee we've got a world number one i might be able to possibly get there one day I mean, I, i'm sure it can't hurt but do you, can you see any sort of link at all
0: I think, look, I'm not up there, you know, day to day in Brisbane, but I have heard that whenever is in town, like there, there's girls on the court next to her, you know, I and mean? so she's apparently doing an amazing job with those, the, you know, not just talking that the other, the other girls on the, on the, you know, on the WTA tour that are below, I'm talking about kids that are in the, you know, NTA space and NDS space, getting to see, like, you imagine walking out for a training session, you see the world number one next to, you know, holding a, holding a French Open trophy, so I think that is having effect. I think in the numbers in the game too, we're seeing greater female participation. So I definitely do think it has a a top-down effect. Once you see it, you you kind of believe it and you think you can get it, right? So um, I think that we'll see in a few years' time exactly what the effect is, but I think in... In coaching numbers and and everything across the country, all that is quite positive. It's just a matter of what everyone, you know, Tennis Australia, private market, member associations can do to provide opportunities competitively for these players to be able to keep on taking those steps.
1: I was listening to a great podcast a few weeks ago with a guy, Simon Jones, who worked at the LTA over in London for a, a long, long time. And the one thing that stood out, he talked about the whole sort of tennis Ecosystem that only so few can really make the elite, but so many go out and try and carve a career. But they can use that playing opportunity to to sort of further themselves down the track. Uh, Whether they go into coaching, whether they go into development, or have some sort of role in tennis. I imagine that the position you're in, dealing with you know young kids, you're dealing with parents who are along for the journey as well. I mean, tennis being the sport for life, where you you can stay in the sport for a long time. Is it sometimes a matter of lowering? Some expectations.
0: Yeah, I, I know when in my private business years ago, every kid that comes through you know whether you know they want to be you know so what would you like to do with tennis everyone thinks they can, everyone thinks they can become a tennis player you don't realize just how hard it is but sure about lowering expectation i think it's just we get to a certain age with players where they're not tracking we actually start to give them other opportunities and make sure they're aware of all programs that are possible to them you know, a child who's who's 15 16 and just missing out on on a nationals for instance unbelievable opportunity for them to still get a division one scholarship go to college and and come back with a free education and, and you know Clean, a clean bank account ready to attack the world and, and do what they want to do. Think through zone squads now, if we have kids that are, you know, 15, 16 and they're off the pace as well, then we have an opportunity to perhaps get them to understand that there's a, a potential career in coaching. You know, get a get a part-time job with, you, with your private coach. You know, the, the journey doesn't have to end when you you, know, you get to section one comp on a Saturday or don't make a nationals and you're out the door. There's, there's so many things. I'm, I'm proof of that. You know, I mean I'm proof of it you know I was never a professional player you know when I was younger obviously I would have loved to be and it didn't turn out for various reasons number one thing I wasn't good enough Brett but, um, but there's opportunity out there I think we just need to make sure that when kids are going through their journey and we start to know and they start to understand the parents understand that you know it's not going to be to, to hold a trophy up on tv one day we start educating them about everything that's out there if we can do that we get more 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 people staying in the game in, in various roles we'll be better for it not just on a playing front but in every other aspect of it.
1: There he is, Paul Vesalo, Director of Talent at Tennis Australia. I caught up with him earlier today. If you want to weigh into that whole performance space, send me an email during the week, thefirstserve, SEN, at gmail.com, uh, and we'll uh, pick up that conversation again next week. A break, we're going to come back, have a chat to the Tennis Victoria President, Jackie Peroni.
2: First Serve Tennis Sunscreen, a quality Australian-made sunscreen to protect those that love their tennis at au and GLG Greenlife Group, your open space specialists, at glgcorp.com, the first serve, your home of tennis.
1: Great to have your company on this Monday night, Brett Phillips in the chair, of course you can go shopping at our good friends uh, Tennis Direct, uh, fast delivery, great prices, free delivery on orders over $150, uh, rackets, accessories, everything you like at tennisdirect.com.au, use that promo code first Serve 10 you'll get... 10% off. Best caller for May, we give away the $150 voucher to our good friends at Tennis Direct. Well, throughout the next few weeks, we'll get around to all the states and find out what is happening. We start in our own backyard here in Victoria, and it's great to welcome in the president of Tennis Victoria, Jacqueline Peroni. I can, I can, I'm told I can call you Jackie. Is that okay?
3: That is fine, Brett. Hi, and thank you for having me on your program.
1: No, great to have you on, uh, Jackie. I mean, how, how is Tennis Victoria operated, certainly over the past 12 to 18 months, which has been really, really challenging throughout uh, the COVID period?
3: Well, it certainly has. And uh, it's not only tenants. but uh, throughout COVID lockdowns, initially uh, our staff were on reduced hours to prepare for the future. The staff worked remotely while managing um, the lockdowns and the school closures and ongoing government directions. The focus was really on Supporting our stakeholders, Brett, specifically the, the clubs, coaches, associations. we were also working very closely with the Victorian State Government and the local governments to ensure, where possible, tennis could remain open. We did see a demand for tennis, um, which was a, a positive. With um, you know gyms and other sports uh, that were forced to close.
2: Yep.
3: It also um, gave us an opportunity. As an organisation, to focus on some off court initiatives for it, including clubs becoming more digital with the rollout of um, Club Spark. Over um, January through to April, we saw an increase of around 73% on the same period last year for court bookings, which was really positive.
1: Can I ask you, uh, Jackie, I I had a bit to do with uh, Ruth Holdaway when she was the CEO of uh, Tennis uh, Victoria. Can I ask why she's no longer uh, in that role? That news uh, came, I think, just after the Australian Open uh, this year. I haven't really seen sort of any explanation. I know Adam Cremieri is in as the acting CEO at the moment. She came across with a terrific resume from the UK, a real... Um, strong person in that sort of uh, female women in sport uh, space. Uh, an MBE next to her name, and she's gone after eighteen months. Can I can I ask the reasons behind that?
3: Ruth made the decision to resign as CEO in February this year, Brett. Right? Um, and as a board, we accepted her resignation and appointed Adam Primary, as you've indicated, as acting CEO. Adam has been with Tennis Victoria for over 10 years, has worked across all levels of community tennis. He's very seasoned, very well-known tennis community. Um, So he is acting CEO.
1: So she's just resigned on her her own volition, or or was it a case that... Perhaps uh, the board didn't think she was maybe carrying out the role as efficiently or as as well as you would have hoped. I mean, a tough period to be the CEO through COVID uh, last year. Was it just totally her resignation or was it maybe a combination of both parties just mutually um, going separate ways?
3: It was Ruth's resignation.
1: Okay. So in terms of a long-term... Uh, CEO. Is is Adam in the frame to keep that role or can you give us a a feel for when a permanent um, appointment will be made?
3: Well, Adam's in the role for a 12-month period, so it will be a a board decision to review that and, and make um, the appropriate decision at the right time.
1: Okay. Well, one thing that intrigues me, uh, Ruth, in terms of the, the national body and also... Uh, sorry, Jackie. Uh, the, <laughs> the national body and also the states, what autonomy does Tennis Victoria have to to really set the direction of tennis in this state? Um, because obviously TA sure. have an overarching role and heavily fund uh, the states, uh, particularly through the Australian Open, but we know that's taken a real hit and the normal finances and surplus that's come from the Australian Open is not there this year. Can you give us a, a bit of a feel of uh, how you know, the, the tennis is run here and how much uh, input Tennis Victoria really has as a, as a sure. state body?
3: Yeah, no, it's a good question, Brett. Tennis Victoria is the governing body for tennis in Victoria, so we do have the to set the direction of tennis in Victoria, and we're about to launch our new strategy across the next three years to grow the game of tennis, we've got a planned community tennis forum, which I'm excited to reveal that you've been invited to MC, Brett. I have. So that'll yes. Be... And you're going to, uh, we're going to launch that strategy with our stakeholders. So that's going to be very exciting next month. The focus for the next three years, Brett, is going to be on what we call the four P's. So play how we play, places, where we play, people, who delivers tennis, and profile, how we promote tennis. So very much looking forward to that uh, stakeholder engagement forum next month.
1: I have a couple of questions. We're a little short on time, but these are questions that people have asked me to ask. And this is the public, this is the tennis community who are really, really uh, passionate. So one of the questions that... Uh, was was asked is why are there fifty staff members at Tennis Victoria when in two thousand and ten there were just fifteen? Has the game grown four hundred percent or has the game been taken over by sports administrators that don't grow the game?
3: Right. Okay. Well, look. In, in two thousand and ten, we had we actually had twenty eight full time staff employed. We have currently forty three full time staff. Uh, this wouldn't be possible without the support of Tennis Australia. Also, during this time, we've changed our affiliation model, where clubs went from paying a per-member fee to a country or metro per-court model framework. This change, supported by Tennis Australia, saw over a million dollars invested back into the tennis, Victorian tennis, with 90... About 7% of our clubs being better off financially by this change. So the the numbers that you've quoted, um, with all due respect, are, are not accurate. I guess one of the, the biggest challenges broadly across the community sport is the recruitment and retention of volunteers. Yep. And we are very fortunate as a sport that we have around 800 dedicated coaches to support us to grow the game. You know, our volunteers and coaches are really the, the lifeblood of our sport. Absolutely. And we're here to support those stakeholders in running their respective clubs and businesses. They are.
1: And I just
3: want to acknowledge that, Brett, because yep. that's, that's really important.
1: No, absolutely. Jackie, we've run out of time. I hope do have to get to a break. We might have to pick up this conversation again. There she is, Jackie Peroni, the President of uh, Tennis Victoria. Back to uh, wrap it all up.
2: First Serve Tennis Sunscreen a quality Australian-made sunscreen to protect those that love their tennis at sunblesssunscreens.com.au and GLG Greenlife Group, your open space specialists, providing landscape, horticultural and environmental services throughout Australia
1: at glgcorp.com. The First Serve, your home of tennis. We haven't got long to wrap up. It's just gone far too quick, hasn't it? Uh, we'll come back to a chat with uh, Jacqueline Peroni, the uh, president of Tennis Victoria. There were a few questions that I didn't get a chance to ask. So we'll pick that up uh, again. Uh, it's live radio. It happens. Uh, the hour races through quickly. we commercial obligations. Uh, just on the text, uh, Ben from Bell Boys, read the doping article online. Uh, taboo topics. Let's uh, talk about doping in tennis. Great piece on our website by Roddy Reynolds uh, last week at thefirstserve.com.au. I'm going to pick that up next week's show. Uh, Ben, so make sure you're tuning in, and we'll get into that in a little bit of uh, depth. Uh, Make sure you check out Melbourne's leading synthetic grass court surface and construction specialist, that is ASTI Tennis Courts. They're trusted by Melbourne tennis clubs and councils. Check out uh, aste.com.au. We'll let the show up on the podcast. Keep an eye on our socials, our website throughout the week. Aussies everywhere. Rome is where we are in Italy. Ciao.